Live from Studio Nowhere. This is the Athletics Mailroom Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Parlopiano. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Mailroom. I'm Amy Parlopiano. This is our NFL podcast where we ask our very own subscribers questions to a different guest each week. And this week, our guest is the Athletic NFL staff writer and our very own film guru, Ted Wynn. Hi, Ted. How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, first of all, I want to publicly thank Amy for uh, being very patient with my uh, work. She is also my editor and does a great job of fixing my uh, multiple spelling mistakes and uh, being very patient with me. And she does a great job. So thank you, Amy. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. That's so nice. Um, all right. Well, so we are going to get right into this. It's not like there's been anything going on at all in the NFL this week. So we have a ton of questions. You guys asked plenty for Ted. So I picked a few here. We're going to get to a few of them. So let's jump right in. So going off of some of that current news. So this week, the Dolphins traded Minka Fitzpatrick, who they selected just last year in the 2018 draft. They selected him with their 11th pick. Um and they traded him already to the Steelers for a first rounder in return. So Igor L has a or Igor I, I should say, has a question uh, for you, Ted, that says, I would spend a first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick and another for Jalen Ramsey. Reality is greater than a lottery. What do you think about that strategy? Yeah, I think it's a pretty interesting dynamic where some I think some teams are starting to um, to value draft picks less and realize that, you know, when you have a draft pick, it's kind of a, a mystery to whether uh, whatever player you're going to choose is going to be good or not. And a guy like uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, who uh, was highly rated and came in and had a promising rookie season, you know what you're going to get with them. Um, so why not trade a first round draft pick? He was, he was picked 11th overall. He didn't do anything to dissuade um, that type of uh, high pr- draft profile in his, his rookie season. And it, it's very rare for um, a player to that got picked in the first round to be available for trade in his second year um, right away. So he's still on a rookie contract and will be a very t- on a very team friendly deal for a few years. So I, I think trading for Minka Fitzpatrick makes perfect sense uh, for the Steelers. It, 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 I mean, it's debatable to whether they you know think they could right the ship at zero and two right now with the backup quarterback. Um, but getting a player like Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, with the first uh, first pick is well worth the trade. Uh, with Jalen Ramsey, he's going to cost a lot more than one first-round draft pick. They're de- the Jacksonville Jaguars are demanding two first-round draft picks, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you want one of the top corners in NFL, if not the top corner in the NFL, it's going to cost you um, yeah, more than a first-round pick. Um, and I think for some teams, it, it would be worth it to trade two first-round draft picks for him. I mean, you could go two years in the draft and draft two busts or two okay players. Um, but, I mean, you could go through five five drafts and just hope to get a player like Jalen Ramsey. So I think for t- some teams that have that resource, um, the, that kind of capital to trade away, I think it, it'd be worth it. Right. And that actually leads into another question we have from Stephen E., who says, Dear Ted, where does Jalen Ramsey end up? So, you know, which teams do you think would would part ways uh, with some high draft picks to get him on their team for this year? Uh, I, I think if he doesn't stay put in Jacksonville, I think the team that makes the most sense is the Raiders because the Raiders do have two first-round draft picks next year. Uh, they have Gary and Conley, who was a former first-round draft pick that they could also 
put in a trade if they don't they don't want to uh, trade those two first picks. Ramsey has publicly said he wants to end up in Las Vegas because they don't have income tax um, there, and um, <laughs> yeah, and they have some some uh, they have some cap space because of the Antonio Brown debacle uh, to play with. So I think it makes a lot of sense for him to get traded to the Raiders or stay put in Jacksonville. Okay, yeah, I think there's been, that whole situation is all up in the air. You know, now I saw that the Jaguars today said they're working through with him and they don't want him to leave and all of this stuff. So we'll see what happens there. It should be interesting to follow. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to, obviously, Ted, you watch a lot of film. So we have, I combined a couple of questions here about play callers that people want to kind of hear what you think about that. So the first is, dear Ted, who is the one offensive slash defensive play caller that you'll go out of your way to watch? And that goes into the second one from Will S. who says, and dear Ted, what names should we know ahead of this offseason's coaching carousel? So obviously we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but who's stuck out to you so far in terms of some of the coordinators that you've been watching and the schemes they've been thinking up? Yeah, I um, one guy I love watching is Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think it's so creative with um, the motions and the different play action concepts he uses. Uh, but one guy, and we'll talk about him more later, just browsing to the questions is Kellen Moore for the the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of hype going into the season about Kellen Moore, but there really wasn't much to go off of because he's never been offensive coordinator before. And uh, just seeing his offense in week one and how creative he was, um, how everything just blended together so perfectly in the, the first week and then see, seeing how he continued that into week two. Uh, I think Kellen Moore is a guy that I, I really want to keep continuing to watch. Um, and, and defensively, um, Wade Phillips, it's just the, the way he's evolved that Rams defense uh, from being a, a, a very heavy bump and run team to becoming more of a zone team because it fits his personnel better with Marcus Peters. Uh, I think it's always interesting to see how uh, Phillips adjusts his defense because he's a big believer in um, in adjusting his scheme to his players and not forcing players to fit into a scheme that doesn't fit them. Right. And uh, and the second part of the question, and uh, as far as names to watch out for, um, I, I think um, I, I said this before uh, in a couple. I said this before a couple years a couple years ago. I, I believe the Niners are eventually going to be. Um, good, and I think that their coaching staff is going to get um, gouged because people are going to want a, a piece of what they're doing. And um, it happened a little bit last year with um, Rich going to uh, the Denver Broncos, becoming the offensive coordinator there. I think another name that people are going to watch out for is uh, their uh, run game coordinator, Mike McDaniel's. Uh, so I think that that name will be um, hot this offseason. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers certainly, they're off to a good start so far, so we'll see. I think we have another question about them later on, but it should be interesting to see if they can keep up the momentum. Um, So you mentioned Kellen Moore, and we do have another question about him, and obviously Dak Prescott has been off to a monster start. We'll see if he can keep that up. And so the question from Henry C. is, Dear Ted, two games is a small sample size, but have you noticed any initial tendencies from Kellen Moore's play calling and how do you think teams might counter that? Yeah, I haven't noticed much, a lot of tendencies. I mean, teams obviously have their, um, their base core concepts that they use, uh, but it, it's too soon to, to see a lot of tendencies now. And as far as countering what he does, he's so multiple in, um, his pre-snap motions, his use of formations, um, that it, it is not one thing you have to key in on, but it's just 
you have to be very disciplined as far as where your eyes are moving. You have to be very disciplined when it comes to your checks and communications. Uh, so it's not like a, a strategy that a specific strategy you have to use against the Cowboys. It's just you have to be very locked down in your pre-snap operations and your your reads and your eye discipline, that sort of thing. And what have you noticed from watching Dak Prescott so far in terms of why you think he's been so successful so far this season? Well, he, he just looks like he's in complete command of the offense. He knows exactly what Kellen Moore wants. Right. Uh, he you know, he's just he he's able to redirect guys when they're lined up wrong. Uh, he's identifying um, blitzes. He's changing the protection. He's calling audibles. Uh, he 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 just looks like he knows exactly where to go with the ball um, before the, the snap, and he, he he it shows in his completion percentage. I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it's above of seventy five percent, which is uh, ridiculous right now. Uh, so eventually, yeah, I think teams it's will eighty two, yeah, eighty two, eighty two point three percent right through two games, which is crazy. Yeah, that's just insane. Uh, so I, I think eventually teams are gonna. Um, you know, make it a little more difficult for him, and we'll see how he adjusts from there. But right now, uh, things are just easy for Prescott. That leads into another guy who things are looking very easy for right now, who, which is Lamar Jackson. So Colton K asks about him. He says, "Dear Ted, in terms of mechanics, what exactly is Lamar Jackson doing differently? I've seen vague answers like improved footwork, but I'd be curious to see a more specific breakdown of what he's doing differently. The only thing that jumps out to me is throwing from a wider base. Yeah, as far as upper body mechanics, I don't see much of a difference. And um, throwing from a wider base is um, pretty much the, the difference. I mean, his narrow throwing base was a point of contention while he would in while he was in the draft process. And it, it does affect your accuracy when you have to, because when you have a narrower base, you have to step a little further. You have to move a little bit more. And that added movement it could could cause some inaccuracies. And it has with Jackson and just playing with a wider base and um, getting used to that and making it an uh, ingrained part of his mechanics I think made it makes a huge difference. But I also think that I think last year um, his accuracy is affected because he just wasn't ready for the speed of the NFL. Uh, he got thrown in, uh, thrown in as a starter and he he made the best of that, that situation. But going to this year, just being more mentally comfortable with what you're doing, more mentally comfortable with the offense. I think that makes a huge difference in his accuracy as well. Right, definitely. And they, they play the Chiefs this week, which is going to be really exciting. I can't wait to watch. Uh, I think Jackson oh, yeah, Holmes is going to be must-see TV for everybody. I'm really excited about that. So, all right, so next question. So, obviously, you know, the Ravens have gotten a lot of love so far. Obviously, the obvious ones like the Chiefs and the Patriots, teams that have been playing off to a blazing start. Um, so, Samuel A. is asking about some of the ones that might be a little bit underrated pretty early on. So, he says, Dear Ted, which NFL teams have not been getting the love they deserve for their play thus far? And he says, in my opinion, Bills, Cardinals, and Colts would be the answer. But what what do you think, Ted? Yeah, I think the Bills definitely deserve more love. Uh, their defense is one of the top defenses in in the league, and I, and they they're continuing to play well. They played well last year, and they look better this year. Um, and the the big question mark was with Josh Allen. I was. I wasn't a big Josh Allen fan coming into the draft, but uh, he played a lot better than I thought he was. He still has shortcomings, uh, but he's making a lot of those splash plays with his special athletic ability, and the Bills are doing the right thing by uh, designing more runs for him and using right. his legs more. Um, 
as a weapon, and it, it's been um, it's been effective so far. So the, the Bills are definitely a team that deserve more uh, more love. Um, and I'm trying to think of a second team right now, uh, but I mean, I think the Packers are getting. Oh, I'll say this: I think Tampa Bay's defense is a is a much much more improved uh, than they were last season. They they were just a mess last year. And this year, just watching them, they look like a very well-prepared group. Uh, so shout out to Todd Bowles, who's doing a, a great great job in Tampa Bay. I think that defense deserves uh, more love. And I think the offense will eventually get better. I'm, I'm, more con- I'm still concerned with Winston and his just lack of care for, um, the, for ball security and interceptions. But Tampa Bay's defense, I think, is one of the big surprises of the season so far. Yeah, that'll be really interesting because that division is is pretty open right now, especially with what's going on with the Saints. It seems a lot more open than we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. So we'll see if they can try to hang in with their defense there. So Samuel, in that question, mentioned the Cardinals, and I just wanted to kind of get your quick thoughts on how they've looked so far with obviously everyone was waiting this season to see the Kyler Cliff uh, connection and, and what that might look like. And what, are you, what have been your initial thoughts from watching um, Kyler Murray's start and, and Cliff Kingsbury's system? Yeah, I think they are where I thought they were going to be. I didn't think they were going to be extremely explosive right out the gate. I think there was going to be some things that they had to work through. Um, but, I mean, especially after that first half or first three quarters of Detroit, I, I, I was like, man, I, this this might be a mess. But they, they got it together. Yeah. Uh, Kyler is actually... Throwing for a lot of yards, I think he almost threw for uh, 400 yards in the second game. But they're just not. Um, we we kind of thought this was going to be the case where uh, the run game could be a problem, but I don't think it's a um, a problem of Cliff not calling enough runs. It's just that their offensive line isn't very good right now, uh, so they right. aren't converting those short yardage situations. They're struggling in the red zone. They're kicking a lot of field goals. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to prove that, but at least Kyler looks like the real deal right now. He's making some amazing, accurate passes. Um, and that, that passing game is, is is going right now, but uh, right now the, the lack of a power run game and the ability to convert short yardage situations and in the red zone is uh, really hurting them. Yeah, they've been. it's been fun to watch at, at parts at least. It seems like they've been uh, kind of, they, they come alive in the latter half of the game a little bit. But I had pretty low expectations going in. I thought it might just be a disaster because, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, I wasn't sold that he was going to be a good NFL coach. And we, I'm still not sold. It's two games in, but we'll see. You know, Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray def- certainly. Definitely some kinks. Yeah, like definitely. Um, okay, so I heard you mention the Packers very briefly earlier. There are there are a couple questions on them that we're going to get into now. So uh, one of them is about their division, which is uh, a pretty intriguing one to watch. So Jonathan G says, "Dear Ted, what is the least and most impressive aspect of the NFC North?" I mean, very strong defenses. Obviously, Green Bay is one of the top defenses in the league. Detroit is much better than people give them credit for. Uh, Minnesota, they they always have a strong defense um, and. I was, I mean, somebody told me this stat today, but um, it, it's kind of incredible how long that Vikings defense has played together with the same starters. I, I think they had most most of their defense intact for over three years, and that's kind of unpre- unprecedented in today's NFL. Uh, Chicago obviously has one of the top um, top defenses in the league, and uh, right now the the offense is the least impressive aspect of the AFC North. Uh, Green Bay looked a little bit better, but they're obviously going to struggle a little bit while learning Lafleur's offense, which it isn't easy to uh, pick up in the first year. 
Uh, Detroit has looked okay. Um, Stafford has, you know, he, he's playing well right now, and they've looked okay, but they haven't been explosive. Uh, the Vikings have their problems, uh, but Dalvin Cook looks good. Uh, Chicago, it, you know, Trubisky is just being Trubisky and hasn't really improved much. Uh, so that offense isn't good right now. Um, so yeah, um, kind of, I guess, kind of a cop out answer. But yeah, the defense, uh, defenses in the AFC, uh, NFC North, very impressive, and offenses not very impressive. And what are your thoughts on the Bears' future with Trubisky? Do you think that he is going to be able to improve, or do you think that he doesn't really have the the skill set that's going to be able to really make him much better? Uh, just based on the first two games, it just doesn't look like he's made any progress from last year as far as being able to move from progression to progression. And now that people have film on Nagy's offense, they're taking away those wide open looks that he had last year and forcing Trubisky to uh, play better at the quarterback position. He just hasn't been able to do it. So I'm, I'm not very optimistic on Trubisky. Uh, yeah, we have uh, one of our columnist uh, Michael Lombardi here at The Athletic has been writing a lot for a while about how he is not on the Trubisky train at all. And so I don't think the uh, the first couple of games did uh, very little to make him change his uh, tune there. So he wrote a pretty strongly worded article about how he doesn't think that they'll be able to win as long as Trubisky is there. And we'll see. I mean, their defense is really excellent. So we'll see how far that gets them. But yeah, it doesn't look like Trubisky is uh, who they were hoping he'd be. This question is from John S., and it is on Aaron Rodgers. And he says, Dear Ted, on the many sacks that Rodgers takes after plenty of time in the pocket, is the problem that he holds the ball too long waiting for a big play, or is it that the receivers are not getting open? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, there there are times – this is how he plays on – on third downs, he likes he doesn't like taking check downs. He wants to uh, try to go for the first down or for a big play. And um, he's been very good at maneuvering the pocket and trying to find open guys. Um, but I, I don't think the offensive line has played particularly well so far um, this year. It, it may look like he has time sometimes because he's able to avoid the first first guy. But um, I, I've seen a lot of reps where uh, he's getting a lot of interior pressure and he has to kind of. Uh, move around and he's just not a guy that's going to take the check down very willingly um so so yeah it, it, i think he's starting to play more into the rhythm of the offense and we saw that against the vikings uh but it's just his his playing style where he's going to try to go for some big plays and that's just going to be part of uh who he is and what's been your kind of initial reaction to the new partnership between rogers and the floor there in green bay uh i've actually been pretty encouraged i kind of had I, I'd like the idea of Rodgers being in a heavy play-action offense, uh, but I also had my doubts of whether he can fit into that role and uh, kind of give up some of the control that he's had in the past. Uh, but watching him against the Vikings, making some of those um, throws on bootlegs that just not a lot of quarterbacks are able to do um, had me very encouraged. And uh, like I said, there, there were times where uh, he just – played in the rhythm of offense where I thought he wouldn't do un- under McCarthy so far. So I think so far it's been um, more, there, there's been more encouraging signs than I thought there was going to be early in his offense. Yeah, it should be. I'm, I'm excited to just kind of see how that progresses. We still kind of haven't seen 
the offense click for an entire game. Obviously, the first game, they didn't do very much at all against the Bears. And then they scored 21 points early, or the Packers scored 21 points early in the and by the beginning of the second quarter in the last game. And then the offense didn't do much after that. But we'll see if they, they kind of get the groove going in the next few games. Um, so, okay, moving on to a quarterback you spend a lot of time uh, watching and <laughs> writing about. So, Timo has a question about Derek Carr. Uh, And he says, Dear Ted, one of the main criticisms of Derek Carr has been that he seems to get rid of the ball too fast rather than let the routes develop downfield for bigger gains, sometimes even when there isn't a lot of pressure. Do you think that this has been a problem so far this year? Uh, I think that's a valid criticism. I think that's one of his biggest problems is he'll have a read and uh, if it's initially covered, he'll move on to the next read too quickly instead of waiting it, waiting for it to develop a little bit. And I think he could take a little more time on those um, progressions. I think Bruce Arians had the same criticism of Carr. Uh, so that's good criticism. Uh, I, I don't think it's been a problem so far this year. In, in the first game, he was really, really good against the Broncos. Uh, PFF, um, their grades aren't everything, but they had him high, rated as their um, highest-rated highest quarterback. Uh, he played well against the Broncos, and they had to get rid of the ball fast because of uh, Bradley Chubb and uh, Von Miller. Um, and he, but he did take his time on s- some routes and attack downfield. Uh, against Chiefs, um, it, it was just kind of a mess. His only tar- his, one of his only targets he has this year is Tyrell Williams, especially after the whole AB debacle and after Williams had a bit of a hip injury, just didn't look like he could run. And the Raiders just don't have much receiver depth. Uh, so that's kind of a tough game to judge him off of. Um, so I, it's still a little too early to see how he's progressed in fixing that problem. Um, so I think that's an issue that we'll have to watch out for um, during the season. And what's been kind of your initial, uh, just after the first two games, expectations for the Raiders, you know, kind of how they've looked and, and what you think they might be able to, to do this season. Obviously, I think the first game was surprising for a lot of people. They went out there after all of the, the Antonio Brown mess and all that, and they, they played really, they played well. And now, you know, obviously losing to the Chiefs is, you know, expected. But so what do you think uh, the rest of their season is going to look like? Yeah, um, I, I think they're an improved team. Um, there is some more added talent on defense. Um Abram being injured was kind of a, a blow to that defense, especially on a short week. And just facing a guy like Patrick Mahomes is uh, is going to be tough on a short week with a banged up secondary. Um, but and, and just losing AB, losing that type of target in your offense just right before the season starts is it's going to be tough on it on any offense. Uh, so they're going to have to figure out um, how they're going to move the ball without a real true number one target on offense. Uh, defensively, they have some shuffling to reshuffling to do, um, and they're they're going to be on the road for forty eight straight days. They have they have a home game in between this road trip, but the home game's in in London against the Bears. Um, <laughs> that is so, insane. That is yeah. so crazy. Yeah, it's I've never seen anything like it before. So it's 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 going to be a really tough test for them. Um, I had them initially when AB was on the, on the team. I thought they I predicted nine and seven. Um, but now I'm starting to think this, this team might be, uh, more on a six and 10 spectrum. Um, but if it can surprise people and come out as road trip in decent shape, maybe at three and four or, or four and three, then they they might have a chance to 
challenge for a playoff. But right now, it doesn't look great just with the the roster and the way that it, uh, in the shape that it is. And going on that forty eight day um, trip away from home is going to be tough. Yeah, and so I'm um, pivoting from the Raiders to another Bay Area team. We have a question about uh, the 49ers and, and Jimmy G. So David C. says, Dear Ted, can you break down the 49ers' offensive play calling last week? Or Actually, this is combined two questions, so, so we'll make this the last one for you, Ted, to end on a Bay Area-themed question. So it's, uh, Dear Ted... One is from Raymond M. He says, can you break down the 49ers offensive play calling last week? What new wrinkles you see in the offense? And that goes along with a question from David C., which says, dear Ted, I was curious curious if against the Bengals, it was more scheme that contributed to Jimmy Garoppolo's success than him actually making great QB1 level throws. I can't remember the last impressive throw he made. That's David C. Yes. So um, I I'm in the process of breaking down that game right now and. There were there were a lot of wide open receivers and uh, shot, you know I mentioned before Shanahan's one of my favorite offensive coordinators to watch and there were there were there were a bunch of great designs like that first uh, well that first touchdown um, first touchdown to Marquise Goodwin where he's wide open on that leak route um, that's uh, usually that play is ran to a tight end and then Sean McVay ran it to Cooper Cup for uh, that was wide open against a touch they got a touchdown last year and then now everybody's running into wide receivers now. Uh, so I, I can't really give Shanahan credit for um, that play design. He, he took it, but this is a copycat league. Uh, but there were a few unique designs. Uh, one of them, the, the Niners aren't a huge counter run team, but they ran a lot of counters against the Bengals. I think uh, maybe they thought the, the, the Bengals were going to be really aggressive towards uh, the run. So they punched them with a bunch of counter runs. Um, and I'll break that down for the uh, Athletic SF. So if you want to read more about that. Check that out. It's kind of hard for me to describe over um, audio, um, but uh, but I, I agree. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, he he played well. He executed the offense, uh, but I didn't. I haven't seen any special plays just yet, and um, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I mean he just took advantage of what the Bengals gave him. Um, so. But I, I have a lot of faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he can be a, a, a even tier one quarterback eventually, but he just needs to be on the field more and get in the groove of things. Um, so to answer your question, um, yeah, I mean Jimmy Garoppolo had a good game, but didn't make any wow throws. Right. He was, let's see, I'm looking at his numbers now, against the Bengals, 17 for 25, 297 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. So you know, good game, but as you guys were saying, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to kind of watch how he progresses if he's going to turn into a quarterback who's making these amazing plays or if he's just kind of going to get the get the job done without making any incredible throws. So, And then just to end, kind of ask about the 49ers, what I asked about the Raiders. Do you think they're going to be able to keep up this momentum? They're 2-0. They, you know, their schedule's not... Right now I'm looking at it. So they play the Steelers next week, which is very different than I might have looked before in the news about Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and then they play the Browns, who don't look quite as good as we thought they might be. Then the Rams, the Redskins, the Panthers. So, you know, and then the Cardinals. So not not a very challenging schedule just looking at it right now. Um, what are you thinking about? Do you think they're their potential playoff team you think they can keep up this momentum what's what's your kind of initial thoughts yeah i, I picked them as a playoff team before the season and they haven't done anything that oh, wow. changed my mind um so far i mean I, they they addressed a lot of their biggest weaknesses in offseason that pass rush 
which was really weak last year. Looks like it's going to be a real strength for them this season. Um, but I think the Joe Staley injury could potentially be really bad just because they didn't have a lot of tackle depth and losing um, uh, losing a left tackle like Joe Staley in this type of offense where um, they he, they need him to they need good edge blocking that outside zone game is going to be big um, and we we all know Jimmy Garoppolo is has been injury prone so far so. Uh, if they're giving up too many quarterback hits, it could potentially be really bad for this offense. So uh, we'll we'll see how they handle that left tackle situation. Obviously, you're going to have to give uh, Justin Skull, the backup left tackle, a lot of help. Um, doesn't look like anybody there's going to be anybody available for trade um, for them to get to replace Staley for um, six weeks. So how they handle that injury is going to be a big key. But I do like them as, as a um, playoff team. Yeah, the NFC West, kind of our big winner, at least in in our uh, national staff power rankings, that three NFC West teams in the top 10 of power rankings this week. And the three of those teams are 2-0. So it'll be a fun division to keep an eye on. Well, Ted, thank you so much for joining us. This was very fun chat, very informative as always. You can find Ted's film pieces on theathletic.com, The Athletic SF, The Athletic Bay Area. Uh, he'll write about the Raiders, about the 49ers, and about all kinds of national topics. So uh, tomorrow he's going to have a piece on the backup quarterback situation. There's plenty to talk about there. A lot of uh, a lot of court backups who are now starters to analyze. So Ted, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I'm Amy Perlopiano, and next week uh, we're going to have Ross Tucker on here. So we will see you then. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, thanks for having me on.